Rose, welcome Hi. to Boss. Thank you. Boss is my amazing executive interview series on LinkedIn. I interview my incredible network to help others learn, network, and pay it forward. Rose, if you were to describe yourself in kind of that, you know, 30 to 60 second boss elevator pitch, what would that be? Loyal, curious, smart, capable, big problem solver. Oh, I love that. Tell me more. Like, how did, how did you get to, to where you are now? First of all, let me tell you that I started my career as a working journalist. And so I was trained in this way of thinking about who, what, when, where, how, and why. And when you think about that with every issue that you take on, you sort of are solving problems in some interesting ways. You're thinking about who your customer is, what the issue is, what has to be done, what is your responsibility. And then as a journalist, you always have to simplify the most complicated issues so that your readers can understand it. And so I think a lot about how do I simplify the problems that we're solving in business? How do I break it down so that people understand it? How do I take ownership of it and tell a story and a narrative that is going to move a business forward? And I think it was those skills, plus sort of paying attention and learning and, and taking some of the, the big life lessons along the way that really helped me get to where I am. And I like to persevere. So you know, a big problem or setback doesn't uh, set me back forever. It's just a pause for me to course correct. I love that. Speaking of moving business forward, in your opinion, what are the most important leadership qualities for executives today? And, and has it changed? Interesting question, because I think the way we show up at work has definitely changed. I mean, when I started corporate America, it was all about women who wanted to prove that they were like the men. So there was this sort of masculine overlay that was associated with everything, including how we dressed. You know, we showed up with those little black and brown and tan suits and the little bow tie that was supposed to mimic a man's tie and the white shirt or the pink shirt was really a blue was all you wore. And then we pulled our hair back and wore those God awful big bows in our hair to keep it out of our face. And then we had those really ugly, sensible shoes. So I think that 30 years ago, it was all about you know, can you sit at the table with the man and can you prove that, you know, you are man-like? And I think now, particularly for women, it's really about who are you as a person, bringing your authentic self to work. You know, people are much more relaxed when I in that work environment. But I always tell people, don't, you know, confuse authenticity with bringing all of your issues to work. Don't, you know, confuse authenticity with excuses for why you can't show up and be a professional and do your best work. Don't take this casual or hybrid work environment and believe that you aren't still at work and that you don't think about your brand and how you show up because now more than ever, all people see is you on a little box and everything about who you are is defined in that quick moment that they look at you and see you and how you project yourself across the screen. So I think it's important for us to understand that work still has similarities to what it always has. It is work. It is a place where you are there in honor of the company, that you need to deliver your results, that you need to be able to lap those results, and that your professionalism is still required, even when you're bringing your authentic self to work. 
what advice then would you give kind of your 20 year old self or, or did you just give it um, for people starting <laughs> out in their, in their career? Uh, yeah, I would tell my, you know, I think I started my, you know, my work life around 22, 23. I would tell my, you know, 22, 23 year old self to, to have more fun. You know, I, I, I am intense by nature. It's just my personality. Uh, and so I tend to take on the problem. I work all night. I put whatever time it takes in to solve it. And, you know, you should have a little bit of fun along the way. So I would say, girl, chill out some. When I took this job, it was really interesting. It was only going to be for a couple of years. You know, I was talking with, you know, a, two CEOs ago. And he's like, hey, go do this for a couple of years. There's some work I need you to do here. I need you to make this important to the company. And then we'll put you back in the business, back in P&L. And I remember having a conversation with him. And I said, oh, I really hope that this isn't a job where you want me to stand in front of those big checks and go to a bunch of chicken dinners because I'm just not that girl. I really want to solve some really big problems. And he was like, you know, go for it. And so at the end of the day, what I was able to do was think a lot about where is the business going? What are the segments of the population that are really important to us? And how do we think strategically about this really huge asset and what it can do to enable that. So I started that journey of reimagining the dollars and the spin and where the money set and thinking hard about the big societal problems that we could solve, but also what our role was as a company. You know, digital technology, what does that mean? How do you deal with environmental issues? How do you bring in populations and segments that we needed to make sure that we were caring for? And to do that meant, you know, setting a new strategy, getting buy-in at the very top of the house, but also reimagining what the team needed to look like, what the skills needed to look like, and then really marching toward how do we measure the outcomes and the accountability around it. So I treated it like a, you know, profit and loss part of the business. And I think the results have been outstanding. And, you know, I will tell you that Verizon is, is viewed as one of the top corporate social responsibility shops in the nation and frankly in the world. And I think that's because we have a very good strategy that's often emulated by companies all over the US. And I'm proud of what we've done and the skills that we put out into the market and where a lot of my former staff are and the value that they're adding in different places, plus the value of my existing team who is absolutely top notch. Is there one lesson that you've learned or something for other leaders that might be trying to set this up or struggling with it right now? Well, first of all, take your time and do it right. I mean, we didn't get there overnight and there were a lot of hits and misses and a lot of learning that we had to do to figure out how to get it right. Um, so you got to be patient. You got to bring sort of some of your stakeholders along with you. Hans Vesper, CEO, is one of the biggest components of the work that I do in CSR and he understands what we're solving for. And, you know, he's a big sort of um, advisor and also a mentor. Tell me a little bit more, and especially that, that um, area of addressing inequality in tech education. Years ago, we were having a conversation about how important the education sector was to Verizon. Uh, it was a revenue generating opportunity for us, but we noticed that while the business was doing exactly what it needed to do to sell in you know, uh, solutions, we saw this, this opportunity with a segment of the population um, that was really impacted very personally by our country's zip code-based education system. And what I mean by that is within the same zip code, you can have kids who are in schools and having very different experiences. 
in a place where there is higher income, there is great sort of revenue generating, these kids are in schools where they are having an amazing experience, great teachers, great technology, great access to information, great access to academics, great field trips. You can go right down the street and the kids are in the same zip code, but because they're serviced by a socioeconomic um, factor that's different that might be lower income, they're having a very different experience. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. What can we do for that segment of the population who needs access to our technology? And not just go and you know, dump a bunch of phones or tablets or whatever on them, but really give them the best technology, give them the data plans, give them the curriculum, give them the apps, give them 5G in their schools, build 5G labs in those schools and work alongside of those teachers to actually change the way that they're teaching, the way that students are learning and embed technology into every single subject. And that's what we do. And we've done it. We have you know, 511 plus schools in some school districts. Every single middle school is a Verizon Innovative Learning School. And we are setting these kids up for a technological future that would not be possible if it were not for the partnership that we have created inside of those schools. And the results speak for themselves. We have young people who are now in college who will tell you that that intervention that happened in middle school is why they majored in STEM, why they're successful, why they're engineers, why they're on the path that they're on. Ah, amazing. Well, congratulations on all Thank of that. You. There's a lot of good work that's happening in our society, but when you pull back and look at just a community, are we actually lifting a community and creating environments where people can actually walk out their door and know that they have access to education, healthcare, adult learning, adult care, food, you know, financial services. So that's my next big thing is to really build at a community level. And I'm really excited about the legacy that I will be able to leave and my team and Verizon will be able to leave as we do that kind of work. Oh, amazing. Um, well, anything I can do to help sign me up. Thank you. One thing you'll commit to do in the rest of 2022 to help pay it forward. Uh, I'm going to keep lifting amazing women by telling them the truth and holding them accountable for walking in that truth. What do you want to be known for over the next six to 12 months? The fact that I lifted a community and put it on a path toward economic development and empowerment that's absolutely scalable. Finally, anything else that you want to say or share with me to close out this amazing LinkedIn boss interview? Listen, here's what I would say to people who are thinking about being the big boss is it is not an easy job, but it's one that is worth it. I used to always tell people who are afraid to get to the next level that work is work. And so whether you are working as an executive assistant or you are working as the executive, you are putting in long hours, you are having to solve problems, the skills that you create are transferable. Don't be afraid of the next opportunity. Just be open to the feedback and the growth that you need to do so you can be the best boss. Love and, and have some fun, right? And laugh. And have some fun, will you? It's not all that serious. <laughs> Well, Rose, this has been so fantastic. Everyone should like, comment, watch, share with your friends. Uh, until next time, thanks everyone. Bye, Rose. Thank you.